0: Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150 on this fine, now sunny day. Boy, we sure had quite the storm last night. Did you get thunder, Eric?
1: Yeah, I didn't get thunder, but boy, sure, a lot of rain and wind, and oh my gosh, that kept me up.
0: (laughs) We got like a huge clap of thunder, and I was thinking, I swear, in the middle of the night, I think I must have been half awake because I'm just remembering this now as I'm talking to you. Or maybe I was dreaming it, but I was like, you know how we always say every week, pretty much regardless of what the weather is, because right. it's so mild here in Seattle. What a great day it is to take your dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Not and- a great time to take your dog for a walk in that mess last night. Yeah, oh, not my last night,
1: but... Hey, look, we've got a window of sunshine right now. Beautiful. So if you happen to have a few minutes, Get out this there. would be a great time to take your dog for a walk.
0: And there's lots of debris everywhere from all the wind <laughs>
1: for them to smell. That's right. <laughs> yeah, They'll have a great time hopping over branches and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, um, have a uh, great interview today. Another author interview. And um, I've been like a author interview machine this, this last week. I've interviewed three uh, and this is our third of three. Now, one of them was a pre-recorded interview with Dr. Bernie Siegel that I will be airing later this month, so you can look forward to that. But today, I have with us on the line Grant Hater Menzies, who is the author of a book titled "From Stray Dog to World War One Hero: The Paris Terrier Who Joined the First Division," and it is the story of Rags, the World War One hero. Grant, welcome to The Dog Show. Thank you. So, uh, you know, it's funny. You seem to, you've written a number of other books as well, and they seem uh, sort of, you know, stories from history. So it seems like you have an interest in history. And as an adult, I think back of my, when I was young and in school, in college and um, high school especially, that I history was not when I was in high school, not a subject that I was really interested in. I don't know. I couldn't focus on it. I didn't really like care much about it. But now I'm like, I love I love learning about history in general. And so one of the cool things about this book, in addition to sharing Rags' story, which we'll talk about, but is also just learning about the history of you know of this time and of this war and what it was like for these um, soldiers out there and all that stuff so I yeah. really appreciate that aspect of it as well wonderful so will you just so this I had hmm, don't know if I had heard of rags it was sort of a vague recollection of of this of this story um, I'm certainly familiar with him now after reading most of the book <laughs> Um but what, and there had been a book sort of written about him before, but it was a while ago, and it sounded like it was uh, maybe incomplete or something. So I'd love to hear, just from your perspective as an author, what inspired you, motivated you to, to write this book and to sort of tell the story again?
2: Well, the, uh, the motivating force was really my rescue dog, Freddie. Um, we um we adopted him in twenty ten from the b c s b c a uh here in victoria b c and uh he had come out of a puppy mill situation he'd probably been born there and lived there the first year of his life
3: mm-hmm.
2: and was an absolute nervous wreck uh was a physical wreck um a little uh, a dog probably just a little bit smaller than um than rags um he's a uh, Spitz, a large Pomeranian, mm-hmm. and um, he. Uh, it took him a few months and then a few years to really um, to really come to the point where he trusted people, trusted us, um, and I the, watching this transformation um, from a really a terrified waif to a um, a confident little dog who was happy and, and trusting mm-hmm. um, was so inspiring to me. I thought I'd, I'd really love to write about a dog. Um, and so I was looking through different um, historical records. I, As you mentioned, I've written several books. Mm-hmm. They've all been about women.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they've been about women, extraordinary women, who, for whatever reason, didn't receive their due um, in the public um, public eye Mm -hmm. um, and have been forgotten for uh, whatever reason, and I felt they should be celebrated again, and uh, so this was quite a a challenge for me, Um, but I found uh, a book by Major Jack Rohan um, from 1930 um, called Rags, um, The Dog Who Went to War, and it was written for young adults. It was um, Mm -hmm. written in a rather artless Style, but it was full of data mm-hmm. that, just as an exercise, I was able to um, correlate with known events from World War One, and it told Bragg's story obviously up until 1930. Um, so I did a little more digging, and I found that he'd had this a whole life after that. He'd actually lived to, to be 20 years old mm. uh, and died in 1936. So it was just. Um, a combination of factors uh, and finding the descendants of of rags's um, uh, guardians um, uh, the, the descendants of one of the soldiers who rescued him and descendants of the officer who adopted him, and finding that they had been keeping um, um, archives for for many years almost a hundred years mm-hmm. that they were willing to share with me for. Uh, research purposes and wow. photographs and all kinds of things. So yeah, that really, um, uh, this is why I, I dedicate the book to my dog, Freddie. Um, okay. but it really, um, it got its start, um, with finding, uh, Jack Rohan's book and, and, uh, realizing that there was so much more to the story. Mm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it kind of proceeded from there. Um, and that kind of surprises me actually uh-huh. that I was able to do what I what I did.
0: Yeah, lots of uh organizing of information and <laughs> piecing together and researching yeah. and I, I can really appreciate what it took for you to put this together in yeah. a way that's really very well written. I mean, I've been able to f- it's loaded. It's a, it's a jam-packed book. I mean, it's loaded yeah. with story and fact and yeah. um and it's done very well. I mean, I, it it was really Thank easy you. to follow, and and uh, then you know, the sort of as we let la- you lay the foundation, and we sort of get to know you, sort of set the scene, and then we follow. Uh, you know, we get to know Rags and Donovan, his uh, partner, war partner, the human yeah. part, yeah, and all the incredible things that those two accomplish together, and yeah, you know, over and over and over again. I mean that in and of itself is miraculous as you're um really describing uh you you mentioned the movie war horse which i saw uh which really sort of illuminated the world of of animals and and you sort of ex- oh, yeah. expand on that you know animals in yeah. war and and how in uh in this war, people were—I mean, there's aspects of it that are kind of hard to be with, you know—and and, you—you kind of talk about that, where you're yeah, like, Ugh. "It
2: was—it wasn't easy to write." Yeah. Um, I am—I have a very soft spot for all animals. I was brought up, as I mentioned in the in the um, acknowledgements, I was brought up in in a family that um, had memories of dogs. That had died a hundred years earlier. Um, they were all considered members of the family, and you remembered them just as you would, um, you know, a favorite grandfather or whatever. And um, it was um, it was difficult reading uh, the accounts of what uh, messenger dogs endured um, during during the Great War. Um, they were all on the uh British German, and French sides. The Americans didn't have a dog program, and that's what made rags uh, uh Sergeant Donovan's secret weapon as I call him because yeah. there weren't many um there weren't many messenger dogs um, in use. I don't think they were even authorized on the American side but on the um the all the others they were they had been in use by the Germans before the the british um but I also wanted to use the opportunity to tell some of the stories that I found in these books that were published in the 1920s about some of those messenger dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the little the little Pomeranian. Um, no one would ever imagine a Pomeranian being used on a battlefield, and it it's horrifying to me to even think of it. But there was a little Pomeranian, a black little black fellow, um, probably about 15 pounds whose name was Little Jim and he was um, he was used to or trained and used to carry message, messenger, uh, messages across some of the worst terrain that you can imagine um, so will you tell
0: us... will you just tell us for those who are listening who maybe aren't quite exactly sure what we mean by messenger dogs
2: sure sure they they were trained on the on the British side um, and and the Germans French to carry around their neck um, uh, on a on a collar a little canister that um, would where you would uh, put a you know some uh, note that that gave um information to artillery to let off fire at a certain sector or mm. whatever and they were they were certainly safer to use and faster dogs were um, than people. The Americans had runners uh human runners, and the the Canadians did as well and um it wasn't a job that. You survived for very long. No, you ultimately, um, ended up um, either shot or wounded badly.
4: Yeah, um,
2: and there were some that actually survived the entire course of the war, which oh. has to be one of the luckiest. I mean, yeah, you're basically running, running in full view of of guns, and um, if you make it, you make it. Rags had a a gift, you might say, for finding these men. Um, he uh... he wasn't trained uh, to be what the French called a chien sanitaire, to uh, actually go out and look for either corpses or wounded, but he had a, a knack for finding these men and bringing Donovan back uh, with him to where they where they were um, lying, and uh, t- he would take the note off of the man. They were usually pinned to their um, battle blouse, and um, many times as I point out in the book Rags um, uh, was responsible for saving the lives of who knows how many men who were trapped and that note needed to get through to the artillery to to break them out
4: Right.
2: so um, but these dogs uh, as I've mentioned these were not this was not an American uh, program so um, even just, just to have Rags in the trenches was it meant that there were a number of agreements with a number of officers. And, um, I think once rags was acknowledged as the, uh, as the mascot of the, of the division, first division, um, everybody just did whatever they could to make sure that he was okay. And, um, uh, that, you know, there, there were no, um, complaints or that complaints about him being there were never taken up to the higher level. Yeah. Um, so uh
0: well, so, yeah. he won over some some higher ranking um men who were there who would sort he of <laughs> sort of excuse his presence and say, No, he's staying. Yeah. And then they would yeah. have to follow the orders. Now you said that the messenger dogs had, you know, in their in this sort of training program had to pass these grueling tests of they did. desensitization to explosion, yeah. smoke yeah. and the rest of what they would likely be exposed to. Yeah. Um and then you said it wasn't clear whether they were running with, necessarily clear whether they were running with the conscious effort to bring the message or whether they were simply running for their lives. Yeah. And the uh, one of the things that just sort of broke my heart as I was reading it was that a lot of families donated yeah. their dogs.
2: Well, Little Jim was probably donated, the Pomeranian yeah. that, that held the speed record for message bearing in his sector. Yeah. Um. Who would ever think that a little basically a lap dog would have would have the weight of so many men's lives on his back? Yeah. Um and the thing with uh I mentioned the little terrier that was um that was glimpsed running through a battlefield. Tiny little dog carrying so much important material around its neck. Yeah. And um it's uh, I don't know um like i say it it's they they were very brave, um I also think they were scared yeah. i don't I don't approve of the use of animals in in war. I think it's a terrible thing. I think of our Freddie, uh even the thought of him being around all the the guns and you know it's it's horrifying, but they did serve, yeah. and that's why they need to be acknowledged, and that's why I picked out the few that I found that. I felt really needed to be brought to the forefront along with rags,
0: yeah, well, with my expertise is in dog training and behavior, and I can appreciate and I've also had experience working in the service dog industry and and I know it takes a, a, an exceptional dog to to be a good fit as a service dog i mean yeah. you know work uh you know performing tasks and being partnered with a person with disabilities that helps yeah. Mitigate the symptoms of the disability, right definition of a service dog, and it, exactly and one of the challenges in this industry is that there's people who get a dog and say, "This is my service dog, and the dog's really not up for it, and the dog suffers as a result. yeah I can only imagine the t- tiny percentage of these you know and you mentioned a couple there's a cavalier King Charles Spaniel given by oh his family, who's was just too terrified yeah. to do anything, and unfortunately, no. these dogs were often just shot as a result well, of it
2: yeah Julie Cooper tells the story of the little king charles it was It was just sitting there shaking, and they rather than give it any more trouble, they shot it yeah, and um they didn't tell the family. I mean, nobody knew what happened to their dogs Ugh. none of them ever ever came back they it's you know I'm working on a book now about the horses and um army mules and uh, donkeys that were left behind in egypt yeah um after World War one. Because there were no um, there were no processes in place for bringing them back to to where they came from. Many of them came from the U.S. and Canada, Australia.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Quite a few came from the U.K. These were horses, uh, equines, that that were being forced to live and work in conditions that bore no resemblance to where they came from. Right. And when um, Mrs. Dorothy Brooke, uh, who started the charity that is the subject of my book, when she came to Egypt in 1930 and saw these horses being, at the ages of 30, 25 and 30, being worked to death in the streets, um, she said it was like seeing, um, elderly veterans of war who, no sooner had they helped win the war, but they were being put to work breaking rocks or pulling carts, Mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't do that to people, why would we do that to hum- to, um, yeah. to animals? And so, um, yeah, I, I my heart breaks at the, the thought of what many of these dogs went through, and um, the very thought that, that Rags, who came from the streets of Paris, um, had the, I guess, the street smarts to survive it.
0: Um, yeah, something. It's just amazing. I mean, and and not just the war itself, but then all of the events that took place afterwards. Yeah. So it's not clear how he was. So it's agreed upon um, by, you know, the the accounts of in history that Rags was stray dog in Paris. Yeah. And it's not known exactly how he was, you know, whether he just befriended, uh, followed some guys or was actually picked up and like, you're with me, but it it sounds pretty consistently that Rags did what he wanted and that he clearly especially once paired with Donovan because Donovan wasn't the first wasn't uh, the first person who got him from the streets of Paris. Isn't that right?
2: No, um, it actually, uh, what I've found is evidence that Donovan and his uh, his fellow first division member um, George Hickman uh-huh.
4: um,
2: were together when they discovered rags or when rags found them at a cafe okay
4: um,
2: Jack Rohan uh, was a journalist um, by trade and he worked for the Army Information service he was quite good uh, about um, crossing all his T's and dotting his eyes using good um, good uh, material and you know, sources for, for his assertions. But he had a tendency, like many journalists uh, even today, to put some high color on certain scenes. Um, and it seemed more um, dramatic, I think, to have Rags uh, discovered in the middle of the night in the bar, the bar section of, um, of Paris, by uh, a single um, doughboy uh, who stumbles into him and thinks he's a pile of rags, um, when in fact there are um, newspaper articles before Rohan's book ever came out that um, that mention uh, that it did not happen at night, it happened during the day, and George Hickman was there with Donovan,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and uh, that rags basically followed them. That sounds more like it. Uh-huh. Um, Especially yes, based a, off
0: of what it sounds like Rags did what he wanted.
2: I think he chose, he chose what he wanted to, I mean, there's, there's the, there's the account that when Donovan tried to take Rags away from the battlefield, right. just before the Battle of Soissons, right, um, when he, it, he clued in that this was no place for a little dog, um, he, he drove back on the, um, signalman's motorcycle, and, um, was getting his stuff ready and there was rags um, panting from having run all the way back. Yeah. So I, and I, I, I do, I do assert this in the book. I think, I think rags chose. um, I think he chose uh, everything that happened to him. Um, I think animals do choose. I don't think they're all victims of circumstances, though many times they are. Um, And, uh, um so I my my feeling is that the story probably was more a a blend between the um the Rohan and the um the independent um version that um that uh, Hickman seems to have told people mm-hmm. about. And since he was the only survivor I tend to I tend to go with um with his account. Right. Um, um but yeah, uh, and we don't really know how old Rex was. He, he could have been older than 20 when he died.
0: Um, oh, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was, he and uh, not only did he, and this was something that he did on his own, he was kind of a wanderer, and he came across, yeah. uh, I think it was a, um, a dead runner, as we were talking about, and yes. saw the note and brought it back on his own. Yeah. Um he also uh was taught uh Donovan and Rags scouted and patched communication lines and Rags yeah. learned how to tell the difference between broken and unbroken wire. Yeah. So he would help in those efforts. Um
2: which was very helpful in the fog. Uh there was yeah. a lot of fog in those low, wet, um horrible battlefield areas and uh there was no way a a, a human the pair of human eyes could could detect whether a line was broken or unbroken. Broken. But Rags would run ahead of Donovan, so Rohan was told would run ahead, and um, Donovan would hear him barking. He would go over to where he was, and he would be standing next to some broken wire. Yeah, he, he seemed to know that it wasn't right, and that Donovan should know mm-hmm. uh, that it he needed to be there.
0: Well, and I think that he when he would he he learned what Donovan was looking for and then, yeah. you know, of course got reinforced when he let him know and then Donovan I'm sure was like, "You're so awesome." And that was Yeah. reinforcing and gave him for his him. Rations. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that I thought and this is comes throughout the book is that um uh and we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll come back with some more about this really incredible story. Uh, that Rags did not he he did not appreciate the attempts of those who did not know him to try to teach him tricks. He felt no, he was it, above it.
2: No, there's there's it's he's on record uh, several times and, and down into the memory of of uh, people that Rohan actually talked to when mm-hmm. he was putting his book together. Mm-hmm. People who said he just wouldn't he wouldn't he would turn up his nose and walk no. away. Huh. Um but he wanted to be given something to do, something constructive. Yeah. He was like a working farm dog or a herding dog. He they don't they don't want to be taught how to jump through a hoop or <laughs> or you know, roll around and play games. They want something really that they can focus on.
0: Yeah, he's like, Don't and, insult uh, me.
2: Exactly. And <laughs> this may may point to the fact that um Rags may have had some Pyrenean shepherd in him. Um, he looked a bit like he did. Uh, it's hard to tell what he was, but mm-hmm. um, one of my correspondents pointed out uh, some of his um, uh, Pyrenean Shepherd um, characteristics, and certainly one of them is they're just laser-like focus. They mm-hmm. learn they learn fast, and they they uh, are very precise in in. Carrying out what they've been taught to do.
0: Yeah. It's, and that
2: sounds like him.
0: It seemed like he was, he was, he very much took his job seriously. The one trick that he did learn was to <laughs> salute. Yeah. And he was yeah. actually trained to do it. Donovan trained him to do it. When he saw soldiers salute, Rags would get up on his haunches and lift his paw up. And, yeah. you know, even over 10 years later, when he saw soldiers yeah. on parade, Rags would still lift his paw just a Donovan had trained him to do. And this ended up serving him uh, when he really needed people to advocate for him or when he really needed yeah. to impress somebody. Uh, this actually ended up serving him. So we're going to um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be talking more with Grant Hader Menzies and his book, From Stray Dog to World War One Hero, the Paris Terrier who joined the First Division. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about So Rags in World War during the war is the first part of his life, and then there's a whole lot more. So we'll be back in just a few minutes to talk more about that. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.
1: I know I'd go from rags to
5: riches if you would only say you care.
0: The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options
1: Next week on Conversations Live, Vicki talks with one of America's leading word nerds to learn some of the new words added to this year's dictionary. We'll also check back with Sue Akins, whose life on the frozen tundra is featured in National Geographic's Life Below Zero. And can you say cheese? We'll talk cheddar with cheesemonger and author Gordon Edgar. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific time here on Alternative Talk 1150 and catch podcasts at ConversationsLive.net.
5: Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet. A local family practice. jetcityanimalclinic.com
3: Time for something different. Time for Alternative Talk 1150.
5: Must I forever be a beggar Whose golden dreams will not come true Or will I go from rags to riches My fate is up to
0: you Nicely done, Eric. Nicely done. <laughs> Eric always finds the perfect song that somehow.
1: Sounds like rags went from rags yes, to riches and here. The, the fate yeah. and story everything. Today.
0: Well, we're back talking with, uh, author Grant Hater Men- Menzies, who's the author of from stray dog to world war one hero, the Paris terrier who joined the first division. And it's the story of rags. An incredible story. Uh, layers and layers of miracles and i mean it's just i can't even imagine how this all happened so we were talking in the first part of this show about rags and um sergeant donovan his partners work you know in the war and how rags was would find runners who had been killed or wounded and would take their notes that were very important to the efforts um And deliver them you know complete the delivery that didn't happen and this was important this was one of the ways that they were able to communicate um he was trained how to find broken communication lines and all sorts of stuff and it's really just incredible that they survived in the first place that he survived in the first place and And then it goes through the story of how he and Donovan both, you know, sort of at the same time were injured and exposed to, uh, you know, gases and uh, Donovan more so than rags. And then that sort of took them out together. And then this like middle part, which is really just sort of gripping to read and how Donovan gets transferred from this place to this place and, and, for a while, everybody knows Rags and Donovan, and Rags is sort of viewed as, as par- part of the uh, part of the first division, just like any other man was, and uh, their partnership was honored, and he was kept, they were kept together. Rags was very clear that he wanted to stay with Donovan, and he you know showed that, and people would recognize that, and then they would get moved to another hospital, and then it seemed like as those moves continued, because Donovan was in pretty bad shape. Uh, it sounds like his lungs were were basically destroyed from his exposure. Uh, it became harder and harder, and then eventually, like, at the port, where they, he's about to get on the ship, right, where they're like, no. Yeah. And then somebody who knows the story sort of steps up and smuggles rags on the boat. Then he has to be quiet. I mean, it's just like... You know, in a bag underneath, uh, you know, a cot and then he's got to remain quiet. And this is like a boat ride from Europe to the U.S. So that's not a two hour ride. No, no. And then, you know, and it's like and then. Oh, and then this and then he's got to get on a train and then he's smuggled and dudded. And like several times we go through this like and if he had been caught, if he had been discovered, he would have been. Taken and probably destroyed. destroyed. Yeah.
2: So it would have been destroyed on the ship because they the medical officers made regular sweeps uh to see if anyone had brought a pet. Um and mm. the, the heartbreaking thing is that many of these wounded men were you know, they needed their animal friend and um as part of their healing, it wasn't understood in nineteen eighteen, but right. um they, uh, and if the animal was found, it would be chloroformed and thrown overboard.
3: Just devastating. And that's what
2: would have happened to him. If, yeah. if anyone who didn't know the story had heard him scratching at the door or mm-hmm. barking, mm-hmm. that would have been it um, yeah. for him, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. <laughs> but somehow they got him across. And this came out in an issue of Stars and Stripes in the 1940s, um, naming some of the officers who were involved. Um, uh rohan didn't Rohan was very discreet uh, about this and not um not wanting to uh uh i guess maybe he didn't have permission to use some of the names uh he never mentions um general Pershing for example though he describes every last detail of him mm-hmm. um and um Halstead dory uh was i think had passed away by that time. And uh, so stars, the Stars and Stripes article mentions him and says he was the, he was the one that, that masterminded the whole thing, but there was what they called a rags committee. Right. Um, and I think it included a nurse as well. It must have. Um, and they, they somehow got him by hiding him under coats, hiding him in bags. Um, they got him um, off, you know, on the ship, um, across the, the ocean, off the ship, on a train, to Fort Sheridan and then um, left him there uh, with uh, the wounded Donovan and um, and then he was in danger of being um, kept, you know, being homeless again. I mean, they right. wouldn't let him in the hospital right. until two people who happened to have heard the story uh, let him in. And so he was as much protected by human memory um, and that the, the that his exploits had been passed around by, to so many people as he was by his own you know his own efforts um, yeah. animals need us and I think this is the um, prime example of it because um, even a lucky dog like Rags wouldn't have made it without people helping out
0: yeah well he was um, brought when while well, on the ship Brought to visit Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how they even got away with that, I have no idea. I,
2: I have no It just makes me shudder to think about it, because there were other people in the, in the ward who not everybody would have known. Right. And what if he had barked, you yeah. know? It's just... But yeah. Halstead Dory brought him down from his um, stateroom, or his cabin, uh, under his coat, and um, would bend over Donovan's bed, uh in in to all appearances having a, a talk about old times and in fact Donovan was petting rags.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, it was just amazing.
0: <laughs> Don't you wish that you could interview Donovan and be yeah. like, what was it like? Yeah. I mean, getting yeah. in, in his world of it where he's extremely yeah. compromised, um and you know being transported from here to... And this dog just keeps showing up.
2: I know, I know. And I mean, he must have been he, like,
0: am I, am I dead? Or like, you know, what's yeah. going on?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he um, he apparently was aware enough to tell the nurses just to, you know, there were ways to shush Rags and calm him down when he got excited. Yeah. And uh, the dog learned, as all, all smart doggies do, to, to do one thing really well... You know, when, when they when he's told enough times and, and he stayed under the bed or or caught or whatever it was, um, under the seat on the train and he just stayed there quietly. He knew that he had to. And um uh I one, I don't know how much of, of his street his street background um uh contributed to that or um just knowing, you know, when to lie low. Um but uh, if he had survived the streets in a in a relatively rough part of Paris um, at a time when there was famine, uh, then I think he could probably survive just about anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did seem like he had some awareness of what was going on, and this was sort of, you know, shown throughout the story and 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 in lots of different ways. He kind of knew oh. There was one part where you said uh earlier on that he learned um he would growl at anybody in a german um uh military uh, uniform
2: yes he he seems to re- recognize the differences between uniforms and he would he would growl and snap at um <laughs> at the German prisoners but he also would 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 growl uh and be very standoffish toward um civilians mm-hmm. uh uh he loved men in uniform yeah. he that's that's that was somebody he could trust and um, uh, when reporters came to visit the Hardenberg family when Rags was rediscovered in the 1920s um, he didn't want anything to do with them but yeah. it, had they come walking in wearing uniforms that right. might have been better might have had a better reception yeah
0: he may have saluted <laughs> <laughs> he may <laughs> yeah
2: yeah he he remembered that apparently till the end of his life um, yeah. and it touched i mean th- th- these things are usually not imaginary or or contrived um there were too many officers who saw these things um, one of them was uh General summerall who was uh one of the big um shots of the American forces in uh, the Great War and who met Rags years later um, at, uh, uh, at Fort Hamilton and um, on Governor's Island as well in New York. And um, Rags ran up to him as if he had just seen him the day before. Mm. Um, And uh, so, yeah, these, these are the, these are the voices who spoke out in, in, you know, uh, confirmation of Rags um, of his uh, legacy, really, yeah. and uh, I felt that was good enough.
0: I thought it was interesting as you talked about the end of his and Donovan's um, time together, as Donovan ended up losing his his fight. Um, yeah, uh, you wrote Donovan's case was not one about which any medical professional could hold any naive hopes. His lungs were destroyed. This was 1920. Lung transplants were over 40 years in the future and penicillin was not discovered until 1928. Having rags beside his cot every day and evening had brought Donovan something approximating health if a happy heart could override damaged tissue struggling to take in air. But if in the last weeks Donovan had reached a sort of bright zenith of mind over matter after the high point came the descent he could not fight anymore sleeping almost all the time rags was often seen standing at donovan's cot looking at his motionless figure and then after his passing it sounded it was just so sweet to hear about the how everybody you know thankfully really got to understand and respect the relationship and rags and yeah, and all Colonel
2: that. Colonel um Bip, Bipsum, who was the medical officer for Fort Sheridan, was um was really the the I mean a, a miracle to have him there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um he loved dogs, he was a, a sensitive, um very democratic, fair um commander and uh his men loved him. Um and he's the one who had the first a uh, caller made for rags uh, mm-hmm. to give his name and his information about his war service um, he when it came uh when the news reached him that rags was pining away basically he was not eating um because um of donovan's descent um i mean donovan was dying yeah um, he made up his mind to go over to the firehouse um, at Fort Sheridan, which is still standing, by the way, mm. where Rags lived at the time, and uh, to bring the dog over to uh, to see Donovan one last time. And unfortunately, Donovan died that night. Yeah, and so um, he came over to the firehouse, unfortunately, to give the news that um, that Donovan actually was dead. And didn't know what to do, as many deeply compassionate people sometimes they're at a loss, you know yeah. they and so uh one of the young men one of the young uh, firemen uh soldier who had grown up with dogs um, out in the west um, said he knew what to do, and so he carried rags with um uh with the colonel, uh following um to and to the infirmary and put him on. Donovan's empty bed
3: mm-hmm.
2: and left him there for a while.
0: And the sheets hadn't been changed. So no, the scent no. Was, yeah.
2: And so that's all Rags needed to know. And, and mm-hmm. the interesting thing is he seemed to recover. It took him about a week mm-hmm. and then he seemed to recover. And uh, But he never would go near the hospital again, which yeah. is very telling.
4: Yeah, um,
2: I've seen this with, with animals, with dogs before. Um, they don't forget these things. And yeah. uh, so, and I I feel like some of the um, episodes that Rohan describes, which seem to come from um, interviews with soldiers at the different forts, or the different um, postings where Rags was, of Rags wandering the grounds at night, I just it seems like I don't know. It sounds like Rags was still looking for Donovan, mm. and. That's something they do too. Yeah. Of course, we
0: know. Well, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, there's um, clearly, um, clearly just an, an incredibly powerful bond between the two. And, yeah. you know, over and over and over and over and over again, it, there's all yeah. of these examples that that's just yeah. um, incredible. And then, and then this, you know, at this point, Rags is like four because he, lived to be 20 and so he's got a whole nother
2: life ahead of him
0: (laughs) 16 years of life and you go on in this you know next part of the book really you know then talking about well you know what happens from there and and you you know he goes and lives with a family and you know you just (laughs) go through all of this stuff and it's just incredible
2: and and well he chose that family he want he fell in love with uh, the daughters the two young daughters of major Raymond hardenberg mm. and who had served on the, the um, staff of general Pershing and who knows may have been in the vicinity of rags at some point in France and um, he uh, he major Hardenberg uh, believed that rags actually belonged to the to the uh, to Fort Sheridan and then the fort um, voted to um, give Rags to him and his daughters uh, to take care of. Mm. They still thought, well, but they he belongs to the entire first division,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, this is something that um, General Hugh Drum um, pointed out uh, in um, in some newspaper articles in later years that Rags actually belonged not just to the first division but to the, the American people. Yeah. he was he belonged to to America, mm. and um, but he was really close to those. Those daughters, especially to Sue Hardenberg, um, sh- they had a special thing. There are some photos that the Hardenberg descendants allowed me to use in the book, mm-hmm. showing Sue uh, with rags um, in, on a sled mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. snow. And I there were many other pictures I didn't, I wasn't able to use because of space
4: yeah.
2: constraints of of the two. And um, he was a little roly poly. You know, he was a war hero, and yet he was this fluffy little friend that that uh, the constant companion of these girls, and um, especially it's I bet, <laughs> and um, uh, and then of course visiting his grave, which is not far, not a it's a short drive from their house.
0: Yeah.
2: At Aspen Hill Memorial Park, um, they go to visit his grave regularly and leave flowers.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. And this
2: is a dog that died in 1930. 19-
0: Questions that I had was was I was curious if Rags showed any signs of PTSD from uh, all of the stuff that he witnessed. And you wrote only in his elder years, when the comparatively yeah. tiny explosions of flash photography would startle him mm-hmm. into confusion, did Rags appear to have lost the iron nerves imputed to him during the violent battles he took part in through the last three months of the war? Yeah, but otherwise, that, it didn't see, it didn't really sound like he he suffered from you know the doggy equivalent of a PTSD. No.
2: Well, of course he he had physical injuries. Uh-huh. Um, he was on his right side. That seems to be the side that took the uh, mortar shell uh, blast that felled him and Donovan in October 1918. Um, his left ear, was, or sorry, his right ear was torn. His right eye was blinded. And his um, uh, his right ear was also deaf,
3: mm.
2: and then his right paw was injured,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so he went around limping, half blind and half deaf, um, and uh, so he had those certainly those marks of his of his um, service.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and uh, he, it, it's heartbreaking to think of of flash photography reminding him of you know yeah. blasts and things it's um and people laughing they didn't understand then that you know what that meant to the dog um yeah it i don't smile when i read it i can tell
0: you yeah that.
2: i know um it's it's something that people you would think people would have understood
0: yeah but we're going to we're going to take a quick break before we before we come to the end but we'll come back and we'll um just sort of wrap up with grant about his book, from stray dog to World War One hero, and then I have an announcement as well. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes.
5: Are my very favorite
2: breed. They're cute, dogs to feed.
0: The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Designing Health, makers of Missing Link, we cover the world of animals.
2: This week, December 13th, it's a best Sunday with Dr. Nels Rasmussen, and we'll have open phone lines. Dr. Nels can help with emotional, behavioral, or physical problems. He can test for allergies, drug, or supplement compatibility and dosages for you or your animal friends. Call us for a free remote session. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150.
0: This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog
3: Outside the box, outside the norm, inside your radio. Alternative Talk 1150. Terriers
5: are my very favorite breed.
0: Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're just wrapping up a wonderful conversation with Grant Hater Menzies, the author of a book titled From Stray Dog to World War I Hero, the Paris Terrier who joined the First Division. It's the story, the incredible story of, little terrier mix rags who started off as a stray in paris and ended up truly a world war one hero and uh it's just incredible grant you did such a wonderful job bringing this story to life and sharing all of the information and um all of the layers to it i really recommend this book it's a very interesting read it's very gripping it's uh really keeps your attention and you'll definitely learn a lot, not just about Rags' story, but about this part of history as well. Um and then I also just wanted to let people know um now Grant, you're up in B C, is that right? British Columbia? Yes.
2: yes. I'm well, an American citizen but I, I live in Canada.
0: All right. Well this is not out of your range then um because it's <laughs> 'cause it's down here and we're not too far away. No, um, no. <laughs> But the, uh, one of my favorite events every year here is the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. Um, and it's a, a few days on Vashon Island, just west of Seattle. And it's a, a herding trial, mostly border collies. And it's just a beautiful event all weekend wow. long. Local vendors, artisans, demonstrations about wool and all sorts of great stuff. And I just wanted to... Um, let people know that it's it's a bit earlier this year than it has been the past few years so just to mark your calendar cuz time flies june 9th through the 12th this year 26 of of next year 2016 june 9th through the 12th the vashon sheepdog classic will be held at misty isle farms i'll be talking more about that as we get closer to the the event it's usually mid to mid to late september so i just kind of wanted to throw that out there grant Thank you for your time today and especially for the time that you put into writing this book. I very much enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Go to Amazon.com and order the book From Stray Dog to World War One Hero. You can also order it through your bookseller. Grant, thanks so much again for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Julie. And there's just one more thing I'd like to say. They, we, with each um, purchase of the book, uh, uh, a donation will go to Nowzad Dogs. Mm. Uh, which is uh, a nonprofit organization that reunites soldiers with the stray dogs and cats they took in during combat in Afghanistan and throughout the Middle East.
0: That's great. All right. Thank you so much. Yet another reason to purchase the book. We'll be back next Wednesday, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.